0: The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. Can I launch into my message from this? Because when a, when a natural disaster like this happens and insurance companies call earthquakes acts of God, it's... um it's 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 difficult to get a right god perspective and so this morning just for the record can can i just say that um that natural disasters are just that natural disasters they're not acts of god as insurance companies um declare that they are we live in a world that has fault lines. We live in a world that has volcanoes. We live in a world that's floating on on a crust and it's got magma. It's got all sorts of scenarios around it. And, And many times natural disasters happen. Now, I know that in the Bible, there are times when natural disasters weren't that, but they were acts of God. I mean, the classic one is Noah's flood. Um, There's no doubt about that, that God instigated that. So you say, well, okay, so if the Bible does talk about God creating natural disasters, what makes you so sure that this one isn't a God thing? Well, let me tell you what's really clear in the Bible, that every time there was a natural disaster, God warned people beforehand. He declared it to be such. He declared it, I am going to punish and this is why, but if you repent, then you will avoid it. God never, in the whole Bible, punished a righteous person because he wanted to punish unrighteous people. So, so was there warning in Italy? Was there warning to righteous people, flee the Apennines because there's an earthquake coming? No, there wasn't. And so because of that, I would never put that down as punishment from God, I'd put that down as natural disaster. Does that help you in any way, shape, or form? I think, I th- I think it's so easy for people just to, just to put everything in a box rather than going through life analyzing what's truth and what's error. And, and can I just say that even in Bible times, people did that. Remember last week I was sharing from Luke chapter 13 where a tower fell upon people and 18 people got killed. And, uh, and and so the natural response was these must have been bad people because the tower falling on them was a judgment from God. And so Jesus is pulling this natural event out and he asked this question in Luke chapter 13 verse 4. He says, do you think that they were the worst sinners than all the others in Jerusalem? And, and, and their natural response, well, obviously, because this, this disaster happened to them. And Jesus' response was this, I tell you no. He was trying to get it right. I tell you no. And, and, and Jesus was just there teaching people that all natural disasters are not acts of God. Does that help you? Can I just say that stuff happens in life? Turn to the person next to you and say, stuff happens. If you've been alive more than 30 seconds, you'll know that stuff happens. And, um, and part of life is navigating through the stuff that happens. And I think it's really important when stuff happens that we get a right God perspective rather than a wrong perspective that says the stuff that's happened to me is God doing it. No. Last week I started a series on what's God like. What What is God really like? Because everybody's got a perspective of God, but my question is, have you got the right perspective of God? And last week we started with. Uh, remember, we finished with the the benediction. You know, the Second Corinthians chapter thirteen verse eleven talks about um, the 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 grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the relationship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's the benediction that's been uttered for 2,000 years. But in that benediction are three God concepts. There's the God concept that God is love. There's the God concept that God is grace. And the God concept that God is relationship. So if you want to download that, just go to our website and you can download it. What I'm going to do this week is not start with the last verse of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to start with the first verse. And share with you another three God concepts. What's God like from 2 Corinthians? So last week we had the last verse. Let's have a look at the first couple of voices. So Paul opens up with an introduction of he's an apostle. And then in verse 2 he says, here it is. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And in these two verses, what Paul says is this, God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. And God is a God of comfort. But more so than that, he says, well, we've already done grace. He talks about the peace of God. So what I'm going to do this morning is share with you three God concepts, that God is a God of peace, A God of mercy and a God of comfort. Can I talk to you about peace, first of all? Because the peace that the Bible talks about is very different to the peace that the world thinks about. The peace that the world thinks about is where everything in your outer world is at peace. The peace that God talks about is even if there's no peace in your outer world, God's going to bring peace in your inner world. And it's the peace of the inner world that Jesus was really clear about talking about. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, peace, I'll leave with you. And then he explains it. But my peace is not the peace that the world gives. It's a different peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So what Jesus is talking about is the world's peace is everything going well well in your outer world. The peace that I'm talking about is despite what's happening in your outer world, I want to bring peace in your inner world. And and, and this is fascinating because when he talked about peace I'm going to give to you, Um, He didn't tell them, hey, incidentally, every single one of you except John is going to be killed for your faith. But don't worry about that. I'm giving you peace anyway. And uh, you say, but how how can someone have peace in the midst of trouble? And, And I want to talk to you about that because it's so important that we understand that God wants to bring peace into our inner world. And you can be in a world of chaos but still be at peace. Can I talk to you about that for a little while? One one of the stories that I love the most in the Bible is the story of the storm that the disciples were facing on the Sea of Galilee, and they're panicking because the ship is being filled with water. And in the midst of the storm and panic, how how many of you can tell me what Jesus was doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. On a pillow. How awesome is that? In the midst of turmoil and chaos, Jesus is asleep. And their attitude is, what is the matter with you? Can't you see that we're drowning? How how can you be? And so they interpreted his peace as not caring rather than saying, hey, Jesus, we want some of what you got. Because we are panicked here. We are stressed here. Okay. How many of you have ever been, a couple of months ago, how many of you remember the storm that we had? Uh, How many of you remember the storm that we had a couple of months ago? How many of you remember that, where it just rained and rained and rained and rained? Okay. So here's a question for you. When the wind was howling, When the rain was coming, how many of you went to every single door in your house and opened it wide open, went to every window and opened it wide and just welcomed the storm inside? How many of you did that? How many of you did exactly the opposite? You went to every window, made sure it was shut. You went to every door, made sure that it was locked. Why did you do that? Well, let me tell you why. Because you determined. You didn't want the storm inside. Now, can I just tell you what happens in life? The storm is going to come knocking at your door. And here comes the storm. Wow, big turmoil. And it comes knocking at your door. And he says, I want to come inside. And what so many people do is they say, yeah, come on in. And so they open the doors, they open the windows, and that storm that's supposed to be only on the outside comes on the inside. And that's when you start to panic and that's when stress comes in. But Jesus understood that you don't let the storm inside, that you shut the door. You shut the door to the storm. You shut the door because the storm has, is your enemy and peace has its enemies and you can't have peace if you invite the enemies of peace inside and what Jesus wanted to do was to give you discernment as to what the enemies of peace are so you can keep them outside and keep peace on the inside so when stress comes knocking at your door what do you do Do you just open up and say come on in stress uh, when negative thoughts comes knocking at your door, what do you say? Do you say, yep, okay that 's going to be my confession right now yep i 'm going to die i 'm going to fall over i 'm going to go bankrupt, my marriage is going to be broken up, my kids are all going to be crazies, you know they 're all going to be on ice is that Is that the confession that you 're making? Come on it 'll come knocking at your door for sure. All sorts of fears. Man, you switch on the television, you switch on the news, you open the internet and you start looking at all the stuff that's happening in the world and it's like the knocking at the door. Are you going to let this into your life or are you going to stop it and say, do you know what? I can't stop the storm outside of my house, but I can stop it coming inside. And that's what peace, that's what God's peace is all about. You just open your heart to peace not the storm and you know what I found is this the secret weapon that we've discovered this year to when the enemy comes knocking at your door to bring stress in you just reply oh um no thanks in this house God's got it I got a package for you open up of stress and strife and turmoil. Oh, no, thanks. We got, we got God's got it in our house, and that deals with stress, strife, and turmoil. God's got it. We don't need that sort of stuff. But the guys next door have got tons of it. Yep, that's why we don't want it. See you later. Bye-bye. We're not opening up to you. Come on. I, I I was talking I was talking to a friend of mine, Doug Boyle, phoned me up yesterday, Helen. And so so uh w- w- we were in Kazakhstan when 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 Doug uh had pancreatitis. This is over ten years ago. And so he went to see his doctor the other day and he says, matter of fact, you're all well, you know, all the tests come back to say that you're well. He was about to leave and, and then the doctor says to him, Oh, by the way, do you realize that you're a prime candidate for cancer? Last word. Here's a package. Take that inside. And so um, Doug turned around and he says, no, I'm believing to be 90. See you later. And he walked out. See, what happens when the package arrives at your door with your name on it? Are you just going to open the door, accept it? Or turn around and say, nah, I'm going to reject it. I might have a storm on the outside. I might have all these sort of symptoms on the outside, but on the inside, I'm at peace because God is the God of peace and he's inside. I love that. Here's the second thing. He's a God of mercy. Wow, mercy. Yeah, mercy. Mercy is what God doesn't give you that you deserve. That's what mercy is. See, some people say, well, what's the difference between mercy and grace? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. See, mercy has to deal, it deals with the punishment that you deserve that you don't get. Whereas grace is the gifts that you don't deserve that you do get. Wow. How awesome is that? Mercy. What an incredible thing mercy is. I, I didn't grow up with a God of mercy, I grew up with a God who punishes. I, I wasn't given that God concept. That God is merciful. I, 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 was, I was raised with a God concept that God is just waiting for you to make a mistake because he's a God who punishes. He's a God who punishes. And that's very Old Testament. But even in the Old Testament, there's so many scriptures about the mercies of God. Psalm 86 verse 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy. Not stingy in mercy, but abundant in mercy. Come on, stop for a little while and say, God is abundant in mercy. He has an abundance of it. He's not going to run out. He's got an abundance of mercy. Luke 6.36, Jesus encourages us. He says, I want you to be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. And so he's Jesus trying to explain to us that God is merciful. It's his character. It's his nature to not punish but to forgive. And, and, and if that's the nature of God, not to punish but to forgive, he's saying maybe, maybe you need to absorb a little bit of that. Don't punish the people around you but forgive them. Here's, here's another one, Ephesians 2, four. But God who was rich... In mercy not only is he abundant in mercy, he is rich in mercy, overflowing in it. Have you, have you got a picture of an overflowing, rich God of mercy or the stingy one that's just ready just to pump condemnation on you? Hebrews 4:16, "I love this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. How many of us walk into God's presence very tentatively, very meekly, very mildly? He's, he's, he's the writer to the, to the Hebrews saying, come on, just walk boldly. Why is that? Because you have a confidence that you can obtain mercy and find grace to help you in a time of need. Do you know, you know so many people don't have this concept. They, they wonder, um, is God in a good mood or is he in a bad mood? How many of you remember maybe your dad when you were growing up looking through the window? Is he in a good mood or in a bad mood? How many of you remember you needed to ask for something? You needed to go to a school camp. You needed to have something and, and you're looking for the timing to be right. Because, because it was, mate, if he's in a bad mood, I'm not going to get it. If he's in a good, good mood, then, I'll, then I will get what I'm asking for. And so you're, you, you, you get the timing right, you know? And so you ask your mum, hey, mum, is that in a good mood or a bad mood? No, no, wrong time to ask him now. And so we're almost trained with this tentative behavior to go to Those in authority, because we don't know what mood they're going to be in. It's almost the fickleness of God. And he's the writer of the Hebrews saying, hey, you don't have to wonder whether God is fickle or not, because he's abundant in grace and mercy. He's always ready to help you in time of need. So walk boldly. It doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't matter what season it is. Walk boldly to the throne of grace because there's a God of mercy who's available to help you in time of need. That's the God concept that you need. Number three, God of peace, God of mercy, God of comfort. I love this. 2 Corinthians 1.3, a God of all comfort. That's the writer of uh, Paul in, in 2 in Corinthians. not only talks about God being a God that wants to give you peace, God that wants to give you mercy, but a God that wants to give you comfort. Comfort. How many of you know that when you're looking for comfort, you're, you're always going to go to your friends? And not just any friend, but your best friends. You're going to go to people that understand you, people that love you. People that are able to... Because you know that comfort is so necessary because comfort builds you up. Comfort embraces you like a warm blanket on a cold winter's day. How many of you know that we all need comfort? Uh, Wives, let me tell you, your husbands at times, they're strong and they're tough, but they just need comfort. They need some words from you that just says I love you because you are just so strong and so protective and provide and and, uh, yeah, seriously. All the men are saying, it's about time you preach that one, Pastor John. (laughs) Men's egos need to be stroked with a bit of comfort every now and then. And ladies, you do that, he rises up to be Superman. But you know what? This is the thing, is that God wants to comfort us. But our problem is because we know our deficiencies, we kind of think that because also God knows our deficiencies, whenever we come into his presence, rather than comforting us, he's going to be pinpointing our deficiencies. Well, what a hopeless way of living. Because there's not one person here that doesn't have deficiencies. But when you come to God, he's not going to point them out. He's going to comfort you. And that's something that you need to get the revelation of, that when you come into God's presence, he's not going to say, well, it's about time you came to my presence because I've got three things to say to you. You know, you're proud, you're arrogant, you're rebellious. (laughs) No, no, God's saying, you know what? I just want to comfort you. I'm going to surround you with words that encourage you, to give you courage. And God wants to speak words of encouragement. And, and this is what the Bible says in, 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 first, in 2 Corinthians. He says, um, he's a God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. He's God saying, can I comfort you sir? you can comfort others? Can, can I just spread so much encouragement that your whole world becomes a world of encouragement? Can I so fill you with encouragement that that you're so full of encouragement that it's just going to overflow out of you? So God's not going to be stingy in encouraging you. He's going to pour it in so that you're so full of encouragement that it's going to flow out of you to others. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? So, So how does God comfort us? Well, he'll speak words of encouragement to us. Can I just say something to you? If you're hearing words of discouragement, they're not words from God. So if 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 you just stop and listen, and all you're hearing is words of, you're hopeless, you're useless, you are just nothing, you're just a scum, you're just this, you're just that, they're not words from God. They're words from the enemy. And too often people... I'm misrepresenting God. The words that they're hearing are words of destruction rather than words of encouragement. And God wants to comfort you by speaking words of encouragement. That's how God comforts you. He speaks words of encouragement. Another way that God comforts you is just he's there. One of the covenant names of God, and that's another series that I love doing, is the covenant names of God. When you read the Bible... God actually has names. He's got covenant names. And one of his covenant names is Yahweh Shammah. How many of you know what Yahweh Shema means? It means, I am the Lord who is there. Wow. So where are you, God? I'm right there. Where's there? Where you are. That's where I am. And so Jesus was able to say, In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be with you. Why is that? Because that's his covenant name. I'm the Lord who is there. I'm there. What, you're there? Yeah, where you are. But I'm in a storm. Yeah, I'm there. But God, I don't hear you. That's because I'm at peace. I'm at sleep. But surely you should be speaking to me saying, just chuck the water out. No, no, I'm there to navigate. I'm there to help you through because I'm the God who is there. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit goes by the name Comforter. That's his, that's his nickname, the Comforter. Come on, you've got to get a revelation of God that he's a God of peace, a God of mercy, a God of comfort. He's there, whatever time, whatever time. Let me finish by just saying this. The only way that you can receive the God of peace the God of mercy and the God of comfort is just to humble yourself. Just humility is acknowledging that you were weak, but he is strong. Humility is not saying, well, I'm strong. Humility is saying, God, I try to be strong, but there are times when I'm weak. But what I recognize is that you're always strong. Humility is just recognizing, God, I lack but you're the all-sufficient one. There's, 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 there's another covenant name of God, yahweh Jireh. I am the all-sufficient one. I'm the God who provides because he's not lacking. See, to, humility is being able to say, God, I am unable, but also recognizing that he is able. See, humility is recognizing that we are finite, but also recognizing that he is infinite humility is recognizing that we are vulnerable but he is invulnerable and so this is what humility is is just coming to god the way you are recognizing your weaknesses and saying god can you help me when you start saying can you help me then you'll hear another knock at the door and this time it's not the storm It's the Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace comes knocking. Why don't you let me into your house? I'm going to chase the storm out. And I'll bring peace because I'm the Prince of Peace. I'll bring peace into your house. I'll show you how to shut the windows to the storm. I'll show you how to put locks on the doors and chase that storm out of your house. See, the fact is... That in the Bible, we have scenarios where God was able to chase the storm out of your outer world. But then we also have scenarios where God says, I'm going to leave the storm in your outer world. But what I want to do is chase it out of your inner world. And can I just say to you that I don't know what your circumstance is on the outer. But I just know that there is no evidence anywhere that God was unwilling to chase the storm out of the inner world. It's in your inner world that God wants to bring peace. It's your inner world that God wants to bring a miracle. It's your inner world. But he comes knocking. He doesn't barge in. He doesn't kick the door down. He comes knocking and he says, would you let me in? I'm the Prince of Peace. And I want to shut the storms out of your mind. I want to come against every negative word that's in your mind that's bringing stress. Every negative word that's bringing turmoil. I'm going to chase the spirit of fear out of your life. Because I'm the Prince of Peace. And I've come to bring peace in your heart. Can we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.